Unique yet common sense opinions on sports. This is Jeff Allen Sports Talk. And once again, thanks for hitting play on your podcast device of choice. Welcome to another edition of the program. Coming up, we're going to talk to Jay Cresswell, one of my former colleagues at WGTO. He's now the PD at uh, 98.7 K-Love in Big D, Dallas, Texas. And his voice will sound familiar. It's the one you just heard before me, and you'll hear it again at the end of the show. Jay um, did both the intro and the outro for my podcast. I paid handsomely for it. No, not really. He did it for nothing. He was a great guy. But... uh, We'll hear from Jay coming up in just a moment as he stands by in the virtual green room. And I'm going to bring him in with a, with, a, with a Beatles tune. One that's probably not... Uh, one that a lot of you won't be familiar with, unless you're a true diehard Beatles fan. Uh, Jay's also the biggest Beatles fan I know. We'll have to do a little podcast talk about that at some point. But uh, we're going to bat around several different things around the sports world. Uh, most notably about the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, interesting story is they uh, uh, venture into uh, the 2019 season sans Bell and Brown. Before we get to Jay, we'll talk about the Little League World Series. And it's going to be the, uh, yeah, Jeff, you just sound like a grumpy old dude. Here's where I'm at on, on that. You know, and I don't begrudge these kids getting to play and win a championship and, and and go through all these things. What bothers me the most about the Little League World Series, well, there's two things. Uh, first, it's a lot of pressure on such young kids, you know, and the oversaturation of television coverage and making them quasi-stars at such a young age is a little, you know, I'm not, I'm not real comfortable with it. Uh, and then the second part that ties into it greatly are the over-exuberant parents that mug for the TV cameras at every turn, gravy training off their kid's success. Oh, look at me. Look at my kid. Look at me. Look at me. Oh, it just aggravates me to no end. Um, and ESPN has bought all in on it they're they're they seem to add more and more coverage every year and uh again it's not about you know wanting to not let the kids play for this stuff but i think it needs to be toned down some but that is just my humble opinion My pleasure to welcome to the podcast former colleague of mine at WGTO. He's the program director at 98.7 K-Love in Dallas, Jay Cresswell. Jay, how are you? I'm great, Jeff. How are you? And thanks for having me on. Hey, I'm doing fantastic. And one of the reasons I want to have Jay on is because I feel like the Pittsburgh Steelers are one of the interesting training camp stories or pre-2019 season stories as you know, they lost Lavian Bell. He didn't play last year, but now he's with the Jets. Antonio Brown is now in the black hole with the Raiders. And Jay, it almost seems to me like the fans have a little bit of a good riddance uh, feel about yeah, it. Yeah, I, I, 
you know, being born and raised there and, and still being a fan after, you know, 30 years after I left town, uh, I can hear two million people in western Pennsylvania laughing at what the Raiders are going through right now. <laughs> I mean, you know, and, and, you know, I just read some articles on The Athletic about it, and, you know, the, one of the things they're saying in Oakland is, oh, maybe he'll change his mind, and then he'll change his mind again, and then he'll change his mind again. Mm. So who knows? And one of the other takes I read on it this afternoon was, you know, he is not acting rationally. Perhaps he does have some after effects of Devontae's perfect hit or other hits to the head he's taken in the past. I know that's really going out on a limb, but who knows? Yeah, but it's probably definitely something worth thinking about. And then you look at the interesting aspects in, in you know, the Steelers were an offense full of divas, you know, with Bell, Brown, yeah. and Ben. <laughs> yeah, certainly the three Bs, and they should have been uh, all spelled their names with Ds, but <laughs> I think the good and riddance thing is made everyone feel like, thank goodness, that's over with, let's just play football, and, you know, the whole league could just look at how the Patriots do it, in that there aren't any divas there, the quarterback takes less money, uh, the coach screams at him in meetings, and he puts up with it, which is a message to everyone else that, you know, we're all here just to win. Mm -hmm. And I think, hopefully, uh, just selfishly, that the Steelers will take that approach this year. And it certainly was a was a godsend to have James Conner have the season he did while Bell was sitting out. Oh, for sure. And, you know, I mean, he, he was all pro. Uh, I think the only possible bad outcome, of course, of losing perhaps the best wide receiver in the league and one of the best running backs is uh, you're thinner, and now Juju Smith-Schuster has to be the number one guy. Now, I don't doubt that he can be, Um one of my uh, sports colleagues wrote an article today that said the most impressive player in Steelers camp has been Juju Smith-Schuster, which is something that is rarely said about it. You know, a third-year wide receiver. Usually, they pick some rookie or some no-name to say that this is well. He's out there working like Antonio Brown works, and he's delivering, and he is just there to play football. So I think that's what they needed. The the big question then is. So he's going to get double coverage. Does James Washington show up and become the number two guy? Or, you know, are they running more stuff to Switzer in the slot? Uh, but they can't just be a one-wide receiver team if they're going to succeed. Yeah, and, and I think some of the speculation, too, was that maybe Antonio Brown was a little bit jealous of Juju, and not just with the, the targets, but also the popularity with the fan base. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. You know, it's, uh, you know, like the Eagles song, there's a new kid in town. <laughs> and that kid was Juju Smith-Schuster because he was just a kid. I mean, he rode a bicycle to, to practice his rookie year and, you know, didn't drive. And he was just all smiles and golly gee. He was the youngest player in the NFL when he was a rookie. And I think him not only getting that attention, but also getting that success that he saw in his first two years led to jealousy from A.B. Well, I would say the be best thing we could tell Juju is not to go to the same, um, uh, what is it, the uh, uh, cryology or whatever they call that? Where yeah. the, 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 yeah. Not to go to the yeah. same guy Brown went to. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, and if you do wear the right socks and gloves, then you might be okay. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about it. We, so, we had a caller on our morning show this morning, and mind you, we're not a sports station, but we were telling the Antonio Brown story, and we had a lady call up who does cryogenics once a month, and uh, she told us the precautions they go through, and they don't let you in unless you're wearing the correct footwear and handwear so that you don't have that happen. But I guess it's hard to tell NFL players that make millions of dollars how to do things. Yeah. Best line I heard about it was that Antonio saw Derek Carr throw and he got cold feet. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't heard none. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was a pretty pretty good one indeed. So, Jay, you're a big Steeler fan, and but you've lived the last 20-some-odd years in Dallas, Texas. How does a Steeler fan survive in the Metroplex? Well, <laughs> the key for me is I'm not obnoxious about it, or maybe I, maybe I am and others, I only I think I'm not, but I understand how Cowboys fans are and how they feel and how they're America's team and they have five world titles, but you know, when it comes down to it, I always just show them the picture of me with the Steelers' six Lombardi trophies, and that's the end of the conversation. And I don't do it to be mean or to be a jerk or anything like that. It's just factual. And, you know, someday the Cowboys will win their sixth, and then we'll have three teams with six Lombardis. So there are many, many Steelers fans in North Texas. There are about five different Steelers bars you can go to on any Sunday to watch the games. Um, and I will tell you this, when I first moved here, I did that. But then I, of course, discovered the Sunday ticket on DirecTV, and I've had it for 20 years. And I much more enjoy sitting here yelling at the TV, not worrying what my, the other Steeler fans think about me, and not worrying about someone who's drunk and obnoxious. And here's the best part. If they have a season like they did last year, when it gets bad, I go outside and do yard work. <laughs> there are at least <laughs> alternatives, for sure. You a Sunday ticket, you bring up something interesting there. There's a lot of talk that it's going to come off DirecTV sooner, if not later. Uh, I know I think they, they were talking 2020, 2021, possibly. I think that's going to be an interesting time when, they're, when, when, they, when they put it out there for other services, whether it's streaming, other networks. What do you think about that? Well, uh, I like it the way it is because I have DirecTV, and when anyone else comes to me and tries to sell me their cable service or their streaming service, I go, do you have the Sunday ticket? And they go, uh, and I go, no, only, only DirecTV is the Sunday ticket, so leave me alone. <laughs> but, you know, that's just me being selfish. I think the NFL is going to do whatever it takes to get the most money out of it, and perhaps... It will be some version of the Sunday ticket, you know, over the air or over satellite. But really, I think there's going to be some streaming option in there. And quite frankly, the other thing we've heard is that AT&T may be looking to sell DirecTV. And if that happens, the first suitor is Dish Network. Um, You know, and if you recall when the two satellite radio services were having troubles. They merged, and now they still do well, and perhaps that will happen with the two satellite TV services, and the NFL Sunday ticket would be a big part of that. Well, I don't have to worry about AT&T sponsoring my show, but to me, they've been killing DirecTV, so I would relish that happening. (laughs) Well, I, I, I agree with you, absolutely. And, you know, not to get on a rant here about cable and satellite, but... When it was just DirecTV and I had an issue, I would call 1-800-DIRECTV and 
someone would answer and solve my problem immediately. Now it's like, you know, phone tree hell because um, you have to call AT&T instead. And I was on hold for 74 minutes last time. Uh, and I wanted to spend more money with them. You know? <laughs> you know, I'm trying to give you money, and you're putting me on hold for 74 minutes on a Friday night. So, uh, you know, it, any way that makes it easier for me to get the NFL Sunday ticket with the fewest hurdles I'm in favor of, whether it's DirecTV or someone else. Absolutely. Well, since you are in Dallas, I have to ask the big question, is Cowboy Nation freaking out about uh, Zeke's holdout? Uh, yes is the short answer, uh, you know, but Cowboy Nation also recognizes there are lots of people that need to get paid, and I think they all recognize that Dak is the first, and, you know, maybe he's not worth $32 million, but that's what it costs now for a starting quarterback in the NFL. And he has very good statistics, you know, uh, he... The, the opinion is that he doesn't make smart decisions and can't throw the ball down the field. And if you look at all the statistics, and I'm not really big into the analytics, mm-hmm. he compares favorably with all the other good quarterbacks. So I think he's going to get paid. I think Cooper's going to get paid. But I think the Zeke thing uh, that Cowboys Nation fears is that he's going to hold out. He has two years left on his deal. And the Cowboys have stood by him through his personal problems. Mm-hmm. So who is he to hold them up? Yeah. And we all know the you know value of running backs these days isn't what it used to be. Yeah, and you know, and, and on on the other hand, I also you know understand his stance. Not that I agree with it, but since the running backs have such a short shelf life, he is going to try to get as much money as he can because he knows yeah. his career is not going to be as long as Amari Cooper's. Right, and 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 I'm I'm like you. Uh, I understand it. I don't agree with it. But, you know, is it him? Is it his agent? You know, with with the Le'Veon Bell Steelers situation, it was both of them. The agent, we thought, gave him bad advice. And he lost out on $14 million last year. Mm -hmm. So I I guess Zeke has to report by week 10, I believe it is. Yes. uh, Before all the monetary things start kicking in and the service time. So we'll see. I mean, I'm sure he is working out down in Cabo with his agent, uh, but that's no substitute for being in camp with your teammates. Yeah, and it's going to be real interesting to see, you know, when the Cowboys will decide, you know, the the, the infamous story of Emmett Smith being out for two games and yep. Michael Irvin throwing a fit saying, Jerry, sign him. <laughs> yep, well, that's true. And one of the other, uh, you know, other things that has arisen here is, so let's say they sign Dak and they sign Cooper and they're going to have to sign Jalen Smith next year. And, you know, uh, even if they give Zeke money, well, then next year, two of those offensive linemen are going to have to go because they won't be able to afford them. So you have to make your choices now. And I think everyone saw the quote from Stephen Jones that, you know, the Cowboys are not out to break the bank on any of the three big contracts they're worrying about now. So I think they're just sitting back and waiting and seeing what happens now. Yeah, and, and I think the point you made about the Cowboys fans that are kind of a little bit out of shape about, you know, hey, the, the team did stand behind Zeke in, you know, he's had some questionable decisions, and he's kind of painted himself in those corners. Whether he's had yeah. some guilt or not, he has made bad decisions. Well, yeah, and agree. The, the whole Las Vegas thing, all he needed to do was apologize. 
But yeah. he didn't, and so then the guy wants to sue him for money, and you know the league has its hearing and doesn't punish him, but it would have gone away in a minute if he had just apologized. He's getting bad guidance there, possibly from his agent. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit of baseball. You're in uh, in Ranger country, and I know you go, go to several games out there, and uh, I'm interested to find out about the uh, the the new ballpark, uh, the the second version of Globe Life Park, if you will. I guess that's yeah. going to open next season, right? Yes, it does. It'll be uh, Globe Life Field, and it is literally across the street from Globe Life Park. Now, Globe Life Park is 25 years old. It's a beautiful park. It's one of the retro parks, but everyone knows here, uh, free agents won't come here. Because, like today, it's 103 degrees all summer. (laughs) And the pitchers wear out, and it's just miserable conditions. Uh, And, and, you know, I I don't mean to brag here, but due to my connections, I can go for free, park for free, and eat for free. And I don't go June, July, August. Because it's just too hot. Yeah. And imagine, you know, being out there every night as a player in that heat, it just saps everything out of you and probably shortens your career. So, Globe Life Field will open across the street um, next to a, an entertainment facility called Texas Live, which is a bunch of bars and restaurants. And if we recall, when AT&T Stadium was built for the Cowboys, part of the plan was for them to develop Arlington to actually make it a destination, which it has never been. Mm-hmm. And Uh, Texas Live opened across the street from Globe Life Park, and it's a huge success. It is a destination. Uh, You can go there. You can eat casual. You can pay a lot. You can hang out. You can play sports. You can play games. It's across, literally across the street from the baseball park, and now it's next door to where the new park will be. And one of the things that they did on purpose when they built Texas Live, they put it in between AT&T Stadium and Globe Life Park. Brilliant. When Jer- Yes, when Jerry opened AT&T Stadium, he purposely faced one of the end zones with those huge glass sliding doors where if you looked out there, you would see a tiny, tiny baseball park in the distance, which was Globe Life Park, and that showed how small it was compared to AT&T Stadium. Well, they built AT&T Live in between the two, so that doesn't happen, and Globe Life Park is next to that. So it's going to have a retractable roof. It's going to have, you know, fewer seats. It's going to have all the amenities. So I think the Rangers did a really solid with this, and the taxpayers are paying for it, but here's how they did that. When uh, Jerry built AT&T Stadium, they put a 2% tax on hotel rooms and rental cars in Arlington. And so, you know, local residents aren't paying that. Visitors are paying that. Nice. And that AT&T Stadium is paid off, the 2% tax was supposed to go away. Well, the city of Arlington put the 2% tax back up, and it would pay for the Rangers Park, and the voters approved it. So what will happen is this will eventually get paid off, and the you know, the tax will hopefully go away at that time. So Arlington, very forward-thinking, looking for ways to get people to, you know, come and spend the night and not just come to the game, I think did a good one. And the park will be open in time for uh, opening day next year. 
And you bring up the the great point is now that will help them in the free agent market as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, they have a good ownership group. They have deep pockets. Not that they spend like, you know, the Cubs and the Yankees and the Red Sox and Dodgers. But I think they're waiting until they get into the new park. One of the things they were going to do this past offseason was Nolan Arenado was the guy they wanted. And they figured they'd sign Nolan Arenado, and he'd be their superstar, and they'd be moving into the new park, and then Nolan signed with the Rockies and stayed there. So they just went out and got a bunch of innings eaters as pitchers, uh, you know, Mike Miner and all the other guys, and they've been a pleasant surprise. So although the Rangers are hovering around 500, they're certainly not going to the playoffs. It's not as bad as everyone thought it was going to be, and Maybe some of those pitchers will get moved in the offseason and bring in other people. But there is a lot of hope for the new ballpark. And I think not only did were they smart in the way they structured the new ballpark, but uh, I think they're lucky in the fact that all those uh, pitchers they got are eating up innings and really performing well. Yeah, and, and that's, it does seem to be the trend now, too, is these – Ballparks are are doing this built around entertainment complexes. They've done that in, in Atlanta. A lot of the yep. so a lot of the newer stadiums are doing that. It it, it just makes great uh, business sense. And of course, there's a great stadium in Pittsburgh for baseball. PNC Park is probably the best park I have been to, and is well. You know what? I'm biased, uh, but I agree. <laughs> yeah, it, and I will say this. If it weren't for that park, there would be six people at the Pirates games. <laughs> uh, just because, of, and not because of the, the players, it because of the ownership and the management. And you know, I I'm actually going to be in Pittsburgh a week from tomorrow, and I'll be up there for a week. And the Pirates are at home all week, and I will probably go to a couple games as badly as the team is playing, just because it's such a beautiful park. Yeah. It's it's hard not to go there. And in fact, uh, I'm going up for uh, UCF and Pitt in September. Going to go up a couple days early to go see a game there. You know, that's a great idea. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. So our buddy Keith Feeney was telling me before the All Star break, he goes, "Dang it, I hate the All Star break because the Pirates take an extra two or three weeks after." <laughs> You're right. I mean, they were two and a half games back uh, going into the All Star break, and since then they've gone four and twenty one. And, you know, it's mostly pitching, but, you know, that becomes like, you know, a tornado of bad things happening. And now, you know, they're thrown to the wrong base. They're making physical and mental errors. Uh, You know, they're not getting the runner over. They're throwing the ball all over the place. And it's just compounding itself. And, of course, you know, one of the headlines now is, has Clint Hurdle lost the Pirates? And I don't think that's necessarily a case. I just think that, the players aren't good enough. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were lucky on Reynolds this year. I mean, he'll be a candidate for Rookie of the Year. Newman is having a great year. Uh, you know, Frazier's been okay at second base. Josh Bell had the best first half in 60 years. But since then, he hasn't done anything. And they're actually, they actually sat him out the last series to hopefully get his head on straight. Um, but he's a very smart guy, too. He's not emotional. So I'm sure he'll work his way through that. But the pitching has been a huge disappointment. The beginning of the year was like they had five of the best, you know, the best starting five in the league for about three weeks. Then the in- injury started, and then you know the arms started falling off. Tyon's out for the year. 
Lyles was great through seven or eight starts, then he was awful, and now he got traded to the Brewers, and he's pitching fine again. Chris Archer's been a disappointment. Uh, Trevor Williams has started great like he finished last year, and now he's a disappointment. And so it's to the point where, you know, it's a triple-A team out there on the field uh, on many nights, and they're playing like it. And you mentioned Hurdle, and, you know, I think this is a guy that gets a lot out of a little, and unfortunately, due to the talent level that he's he's working with, does he eventually become the scapegoat, unfortunately? Yeah, I, I think he will, but knowing the ownership uh, group there, he has two years left on his contract, and there's no way they're going to pay uh, pay him to not manage. It's okay. just the way they are. Yeah, I, I would be the most surprised person on earth if both he or the GM were let go uh, at least not for another year. Yeah, and in and who else would you get? I mean, when you stop and think He's about it. He's going to take that job, I know. Yeah, that's a definitely thing. So what do you think about the uh, the Field of Dreams uh, promo that MLB is going to do, actually playing at the Field of Dreams from the movie? I got the chills immediately. Uh, I saw it online. I saw Aaron Judge tweet, is this heaven? And Kevin Costner tweeted back, no, it's Iowa. <laughs> I just thought that was the greatest thing ever. And I've seen the promo on MLB Network. Uh, you know, it, it, as much as people complain about baseball and how long it is and everybody strikes out or hits home runs, they get this stuff right. First of all, they got it right with the games in Williamsport at the Little League World Series area. And they're doing one in another week, as a matter of fact. And now the Field of Dreams, they they just get that stuff right. Yeah, and I tell you what, I would love to be one of the eight, even though it's going to be 8,000, I would love to be one of those people. <laughs> yeah, imagine what those tickets are going to go for. Yeah, that's going to be just totally off the charts. Um, what is your thoughts on the on the barrage of power in baseball? To me personally, you know, I'm a little conflicted with Home Run Derby, but then again, my team's pretty good at it in the Braves, so, I'm yes. kind of, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a difficult uh, thing to balance. Uh, agreed, and if you recall earlier in the year, there were writers uh, proclaiming that they should move the mound back because too many people were striking out. <laughs> and, you know, the other one is ban the shift, uh, and I, I will admit to being a traditionalist and, you know, hating the designated hitter. And You know what? If they put the shift on, just hit it the other way. Until, I mean, are you a major league hitter? Hit it the other direction. Um, the reason we have so many home runs is everyone is swinging hard. It's also why we're having so many strikeouts. I just think that's where baseball is right now. And quite frankly, it'll evolve into something else. And we don't have to slap rules on it or change things because that's just the way it is right now. I will say for those who say people like home runs, they go to the games to see home runs, they watch the highlights to see home runs. Well, the last three years have had more home runs than any three years in baseball history, including the steroid era, and attendance is the lowest it's been in 20 years. <laughs> so. Does that have to do with home runs and strikeouts, or does that have to do with how long the games are, or does that have to do with I can watch it at home and not have to pay to go? You know, I don't have those answers, but I, I truly think that baseball will evolve into something. Maybe it'll evolve into a pitcher's league in the next five years. Well, we don't know, but baseball has always evolved. That's kind of my theory. I'm going to, I'm going to, I have kind of stated that I think that pitchers are going to have to actually go back to pitching instead of relying on nothing but heat. Right. I, I, a couple weeks ago, I saw a minor league game, A-League, up in upstate New York, 
in the New York Penn uh, short A season. It was the Tri-City Valley Cats, which is the Astros A team against the Connecticut Tigers. And I will tell you this, I mean, that's the first professional job most of these kids have. Every one of the pitchers was throwing 97, 98 miles an hour. None of them knew where the ball was going. Wow. <laughs> and so, I mean, at that age, that's okay. But like you said, they're going to learn, have to learn how to pitch instead of just overpowering everybody. When Josh Hader comes up there and throws 100 miles an hour, if you connect, it's gone. Mm-hmm. And so when you see someone like the Pirates' Felipe Vasquez, he's got a slider and a changeup. So if you're waiting on 101, that's going to freeze you in your tracks. That's called pitching is what that is. Yeah, so you mentioned upstate New York. Tell me about your trip to uh, to Cooperstown. You know, uh, I've never been. Baseball's always been my favorite sport. Uh, it's in. You can't get there from here. You know, it's in the middle of nowhere. Um, in fact, most of the drive we drove from Albany over to Cooperstown is on US 20. On most of that drive, there is no cell service. And it's just beautiful farm country in upstate New York. But I spent seven and a half hours at Cooperstown, and that was not enough. <laughs> wow. And I will say this. I got choked up at a few things. Uh, I'll also say this. Even if you're not a baseball fan, it's almost an American history lesson. Mm. Because, because you see things how things were at the, you know, at the before the modern years and they have displays there about the Negro Leagues and about the Latin American players and about Babe Ruth and about you name it, they've done it right. It's interactive, it's digital, but not too much. You know, you see all kinds of people taking the tour, wearing their different jerseys for their favorite teams, and people just strike up conversations when they overhear you asking a question. It's a friendly place. It's a great town. And there's nothing there to do but baseball. <laughs> oh, that's uh, can't can't get it can't get any better than that. <laughs> I, I know there's a uh, a, bat, a place with batting cages, and you can check your your you know, you know your speed on the radar gun. It's been there since 1972. It's next to Abner Doubleday Field, and as we were leaving, we saw a game going on there, so we sat down and watched the last couple innings of an American Legion game. Um, every store in town has something to do with baseball. Um, and quite frankly, we got there on a Sunday morning at 10.30 and it was very crowded. But by Sunday late afternoon, there was nobody there. So if I were to do it again, I would go up later in the day, go to the museum, stay the night, go back in the morning and finish up. Ah, uh, well, good. I'll the other gonna... great thing is it's 25 bucks to get in. So that's... You can go in and out as many times as you like. Okay. Because there's, nothing, there's not no place to eat in there, okay? And so if, you know, I'm getting hungry, well, they stamp your hand and you go get something and come back in. And 25 bucks is nothing to see something, you know, held in such high regard. And if you're a baseball fan, you would gladly pay double that. Well, I am definitely going to take those tips and put that on my itinerary for sure. It's, it's a must-see. And I've also, you know, we in the same trip I went to the Basketball Hall of Fame, which was nice. But it's missing a lot of what the Baseball Hall of Fame has. You know, the Basketball Hall of Fame has nothing about, you know, they should have a display about the Dream Team. Mm -hmm. They should have a display about the 60s Celtics or the Lakers-Celtics rivalries of the 80s or, you know, Jordan's Bulls. They don't. Wow. Um, And I've been to the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton, and 
I will say I was underwhelmed. I'm not saying it wasn't worth the money or it was a bad experience. It could be so much better. Uh, baseball, the Baseball Hall of Fame blows them both away. Yeah, and I think it just also kind of goes back is regardless of its popularity versus the other major sports, baseball has mystique. Oh, for sure. Absolutely does. Yeah, I think that is definitely the the, the, the key to that. Well, Jay Cresswell, uh, I certainly appreciate you coming on and uh, batting around a lot of topics with me. It was a blast. We'll definitely have to do it again. I appreciate it, Jeff. Thanks so much for having me on. Great stuff there with Jay. And as uh, I was... Uh, Putting this podcast together after I uh, recorded that interview with Jay, another Antonio Brown story pops up. Evidently, he's having a problem with the new helmet rule. You know, the I don't know all the particulars, but the league has basically been working over the last couple of years to get everybody into more standardized, updated helmets. And now Antonio's got a problem with that. He uh, wants to keep his old helmet and is threatening to... Hold out because of that. <laughs> no drama there at all. He's accused Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers of defying the rule. But uh, evidently, everybody has sent him footage showing those two quarterbacks practicing in their new league-mandated helmets. But, uh, yeah. Antonio Brown just keeps on keeping on. I don't know. What is the deal with him? So anyway, you know, this, along with his cryotherapy, that was the word I was looking for earlier, his little uh, cryotherapy issues, he's becoming a walking headline from one side to the other. Before I bring Jay back on to close the podcast, you know, please, if you come across this for the first time, we hope you will subscribe. You can get this podcast where most people Podcasts are distributed. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, SoundCloud. I'm on a, a Stitcher now, uh, so please do subscribe. And uh, and if you are a subscriber, do me a favor. Please tell a friend and send them a link. Invite them to listen to the podcast. The more the merrier. And we hope you enjoy uh, what we're bringing you here. It's, we are primarily a Central Florida f- area focused podcast but we do talk about a lot of things around the world of sports and uh hope you're having as much fun with it as i am uh trying to do this it's uh, a labor of love and i certainly do appreciate you lending me your ears and uh giving the podcast a listen and with that we are done here thanks for listening to jeff allen sports talk Follow Jeff on Twitter at JeffAllen underscore 88, on Facebook at JeffAllen88, and the website JeffAllenSportsTalk.com. And you can reach out to the show anytime by email, JeffAllenSportsTalk at gmail.com. Jeff Allen Sports Talk is brought to you exclusively by Kramer's Salve for Dogs. 
Kramer Salve is a safe and natural approach to help your best friend live an itch-free life. It's made from the finest ingredients so it stops itching, heals hot spots, and painful inflamed skin. Kramer Salve contains a proprietary blend of neem, an ingredient known for its healing properties. A 4-ounce 6-month supply, including shipping, is just $30, and the 2-ounce 3-month supply, including shipping, is only $20. Help your dog end the itch and hot spot cycle. Order today at KramerSalve.net. That's K-R-A-M-E-R-S-A-L-V-E dot net.